This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Please enjoy Pastor Kevin Myers as he delivers this teaching entitled, Faith Conquers. Welcome to 12 Stone. Let's take care of first things first. Uh, that Yanni Laurel thing, whatever that is. Uh, I, I listen to it on my computer and I hear Yanni. I listen to it in this room. I hear Laurel. I don't even think it's the same thing. Any of you get that freaky like you hear it different ways, different times? What is that? I don't know. What I do know is you came to a good day. This is going to help you today. I'm telling you, through this teaching, God's going to stir some things and awaken. Because I have a question for you. If God would lean his almighty power, if he would loan it, if he would leverage it to you and through you, to help you conquer one thing in life, what would that one thing be? I mean, what, what, what would it be? If it would... If it was something like, God, I, 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 I need to get through this. I want to get beyond this, either right now or in the weeks ahead. Maybe it would be career. Maybe you'd say, man, I'm just stuck. My career, I, I got I to gotta push myself. I got I to gotta develop. I got I to gotta mature. I got to break through. Or maybe it's in your business or your finance. Maybe, hey, maybe it's in habits, huh? Maybe it's like, oh, I, I just can't get control of this habit. I jotted down what, what some of those habits might be that, that you just really need to, to kind of conquer. It might be, I, I need to control my spending. I, I wish I could control my temper, I, my attitude, my tongue, my pessimism, my laziness, my passivity, my fear, my worry, my anxiety. Maybe it's my greed, my envy, maybe my porn addiction, my gambling, my time-wasting. Maybe it's overeating, yo-yo dieting, insecurity, lying, people pleasing, procrastination. Maybe it's addiction to entertainment or gaming. But you know that if you could get self-control, if you could shift that habit, oh, you would, you would just have a better life. You'd get on the other side if you could just conquer it. Maybe it's in relationship. Maybe, you're, maybe it's your dating life and you're just stuck. Maybe you want to date and you're not dating and you're stuck and you're like, no, that would be it. Maybe it's marriage. You're like, I just, wow, our marriage is stuck. And if God would lean his almighty power into your life, what would you love to conquer? That's what happened to Gideon. Gideon experienced the power of God to help him conquer. The one thing he would say, oh, I need to conquer this. And God helped him to do it by faith. By what, everybody? Faith. One more time. By what? Faith. By faith. You go to Hebrews chapter 11. It is the, the kind of the faith chapter. It inspires us. And repeatedly it says, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, those before us conquered. And it says, Gideon conquered by faith. What is faith? Well, take a look at your teaching notes. We'll put it on the screen for you. Faith is trusting God. Just kind of do a little fill in the blank. Trusting God in 
action. Trusting God in my actions. In other words, it's, it's not just saying I trust God, but, it, but it, it, it's more than words. It's trusting God in your actions. It's demonstrating it. It's saying, God, I not only trust you, but believe it by, 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 by my mind, my heart, my soul, but I demonstrate it in my actions. They prove I trust you. That's what Gideon did. Separated him out. Grab your Bibles. Let's turn over to Judges. In the Old Testament is where we really find the detailed story of Gideon. Page 244, Worship Center Bibles, right underneath your chair. Just pull them out, reach right underneath. You go to page 244. We're going to go to the book of Judges, chapter 6. We'll start reading at verse 12 in the story of Gideon. In fact, hey, while I do that, why don't I take it to the whiteboard while you're turning, and let me see if I can set it up a little bit for you. All of us have areas in our life where where there's a sense that, that we... Uh, experience being defeated and nobody wants uh, to live defeated so we want to now how do I move from defeated because what I really want to do is is conquer how do I get to conquering when I experience defeated well that that's a very fair question it's what we're talking about today and Gideon experienced that but let me set up the book of Judges the whole book of Judges it is after Moses by the power of God, frees Israel from Egypt. It's after Joshua leads Israel into the promised land. And and by the way, next week we'll pick up on the story of Joshua and the whole promised land, week two of this series, by faith, and the campus pastors are going are, are to teach next week, and you're going to love next week, and you want to be here for that. And, and, and they're going to tap into this, this whole part two. Today, we're talking about uh, what conquers next week, what rewards, faith rewards. But today, faith conquers. And in the story of Gideon, he's some generations after Moses and Joshua, and they experienced this cycle. The, 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 the book of Judges talks about a cycle where for a season of time, the Israelites are conquering. But, but then, because they're conquering and experiencing such favor, they think they're the source of it, and they start drifting into disobedience, and, and that causes them to, to forfeit the favor of God, and, and they end up being defeated. And, and in the experience of being oppressed and defeated by their enemies, they begin to cry out to God and seek God and beg God, and God raises up a judge, and, and, and that judge, by the power of God, leads them into a season of conquering. That's, that's what happened with Gideon. Gideon was a judge. So Judges chapter 6. And it's all expressed in this commitment of by faith. By what, everybody? By faith. By faith. And Gideon would give us a couple of insights that I want us to learn today. Look in your notes. You can do a little fill in the blank. By faith, some things need to be torn down. By faith, some things need to be torn down. By faith, some things need to be torn fought for. Let's do them both together. By faith, some things need to be torn down. Say it with me. Some things need to be what? Torn down. Yes, they do. We're going to look at that in Gideon's life. Then, number two, some things need to be what? Fought for. Now, let's go right back to where you're sitting on page 244. Judges, chapter 6, verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. (laughs) Now Gideon's response is like, who are you talking to? (laughs) Because he doesn't feel like one, and here's why. Gideon is is over here hiding from the Midianites. The Midianites 
are a nation of about 135,000 people who, like nomads, come into Israel's territory, sweep literally across their land, eat all of their crops, their food, kill their animals. They, they just diet on Israel for a season. They impoverish them. They take all their food, and then they move on. They've been doing this for seven seasons. So Gideon is just hiding underneath the tree in the corner. He's trying to make a little meal for himself. And the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Greetings, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, I have no idea who you're talking about. But while we're at it, let's get to the point. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? In other words, why are we defeated? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord returned to him and said, or turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel. Out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? In other words, Gideon, don't just sit here in a corner and, 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 and sheepishly hide and, and wonder why God isn't moving. I, how, how about you go do something about it? I'm sending you. Go in the strength. God's ascending God. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, uh, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Here's how. Look at verse 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you. In other words, I'm going to lean alone and lend my almighty power to you. I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. There's the setup of the story. So in chapter 6, Gideon is, experiences the living God. And it's powerful. And he offers an altar before the Lord. We'll talk about that. And then chapter 7. In chapter 7, he calls together an army. And, and, and brings tens of thousands of Israelites together. But God says, you know what? That's too many. I'm going to pare it down to 300. And God only lets Gideon take 300 warriors against 135,000 Midianites. How's that going to work? But God says, you know what? If you have too many warriors, you're going to think you did it on your own power. So you need to see it was me that did it. Then in chapter 8, we see the success. God lends his almighty power and Gideon conquers. He, he moves from defeated to conquering, wipe out the Midianites, and now Israel's rescued. Life is awesome. They have their food, their crops, their, their prosperity, their health, their wealth. It's just, oh my, this is amazing. All the things that we want. Oh dear God, if I could conquer this in my life. If I could conquer the Midianites in my life. There's the story. What can we learn? I'm glad you've asked. Here's the first point. By faith, some things need to be torn down. By faith, some things need to be what, everybody? Torn down. Now, who or what was defeating Gideon? Well, the answer is the Midianites. Actually, that's true, but it's not the whole truth. It's not the whole truth. See, see there, were, there were some things defeating Gideon and the Israelites that they could not see. If you ask them and say, Gideon, what's defeating you? What's the one thing you wish you could conquer? Gideon would say, oh, it's the Midianites. Because we always tend to go to the thing that's material and physical that we can see and control and manage and understand. We, we, we always tend to say, you know what? It's my work. No, it's my boss. No, no, it's my competitor. No, it's the economy. It's my spouse. <laughs> no, it's this circumstance. But there was something else defeating Gideon, and he couldn't see it. It's the thing that God said you have to tear down. It's in the spiritual realm, and he couldn't see it or the connection. 
And so before God gave Gideon power to conquer Midian, God instructed Gideon to tear down his family's altar to Baal. Why? Why before God gave him the power to conquer the Midianites, did God require Gideon to tear down the family, the clan's altar to Baal? Here's why. Because what Gideon was worshiping was defeating him. Write it down. What Gideon was worshiping was defeating him. What Gideon was worshiping was what? Defeating him. And Gideon didn't see it, neither did Israel, and rarely do we. We don't have the eyes to see that what's really defeating us is what we're worshiping. We tend to look out and say, help me defeat the Midianites. What I can see, the tangible thing, that whatever is that physical material enemy in my life, let me take that down and life will be good. God says, no, you don't understand. The first thing that's defeating you is what you're worshiping. Now, Baal, Baal was a Canaanite god. Baal was the god of fertility. They believed that if they would worship this false god, because he wasn't, he's not a real god, it's just demons masquerading as deity, but they believed that if they would build an altar to and worship this god, recognize him, it as authoritative, then they would, that god would make it possible for them to have children. They would be fertility, they'd be fertile, they'd have children, and their crops would multiply. So this impacted their family and their economy. It's a big deal. And what they lived out in that time of Gideon, what Gideon grew up with, listen, what he grew up with is relativism. In other words, the nation of Israel by that time are like, you know what, those old stories about Moses and God rescuing us and Joshua and going into this promised land, those are just old stories. They're religious. They don't even matter anymore. We're a smarter generation. We've progressed. We now understand life a whole lot better than those ahead of us. We have a better view of life than anyone ahead of us. We're so smart that we now know that truth is whatever seems right in your own eyes. Truth is whatever seems right to you. Listen, whatever seems right to you, that's truth. If it's truth to you, it's your truth. Live out of your truth. By the way, that should sound familiar. (laughs) This stuff existed a long time ago. Every generation believes they're smarter than the previous, tends to toss away the religious stories because that's all they are to them because they didn't see it happen. And they think, I'm so much smarter, I'm so progressive. I just believe that truth is whatever you believe it is. Whatever seems right to you. This was the whole of their living. So Baal was part of the common worship of the Canaanites. They lived among them. They adopted what was culturally normal. And Israel nor Gideon could see that what they had adopted and joined in the culture norms was they were worshiping things that were not real. They were being defeated by what they worship, and they couldn't even see that. In other words, they were drinking the shadow. That's a weird way to say it. What do I mean? (laughs) If I'll show you this little Instagram, it'll make sense. This makes me smile, if not laugh. Check it out. (laughs) 
Look, the dog has been thirsty many times and knows that he needs water. And this particular entertaining, if not dumb dog, is can see the water, hear the water, knows he needs the water, wants the water, and see, sees the shadow and starts drinking it in. He's drinking the shadow. Unfortunately, it's not doing anything for him. And he still doesn't know why, so he keeps drinking the shadow. It's, it's really quite entertaining and teachable. Now, if you didn't get it the first time, I'm going to play it again to help you. If you did, you want to see it again anyway. And I do. I don't know why we watch these things. I've watched this so many. And every, I know exactly what's coming, and I still laugh. I still am highly entertained. So we're going to play it again just for our entertainment. Drinking the Shadow. Check it out. <laughs> Oh, have mercy. Come on, you know that's funny. (laughs) Worshiping false gods, anything other than the living God is drinking the shadow. We know we're thirsty. We know we have need of them, but we join the culture. And we're not experiencing the living God, just a form thereof. And we're defeated, and we can't see that what we're worshiping is actually what's defeating us. We're going to go take on the equivalent of the Midianites in our life. Oh, we're going to go solve all this in our world and our politics and our systems and our process. Oh, we're going to solve all the big financial business. We're going to solve all these big problems out there, and we can't even see that what we're worshiping is what's defeating us first. So I wrote two or three or four paragraphs here, and I want you to hear them in as tight as the way I wrote them, so I'm almost practically going to read them to you. Perhaps what we worship is the source of our defeat. Our nation is being divided and defeated by forms of racism on all sides, but we don't think it's rooted in what we worship. Yet, what we worship is ourselves, people declaring there is no God. Yet, what we want is a love and a respect for one another that can only come from God. Huh. Perhaps what we worship is the source of our defeat. Stay with me. We are all quite broken over the sadness of people murdering other people. Especially, and this is so tragic, it's just, it's really horrific. Especially young people walking into their own schools and taking the lives of other classmates. It's thinking so little of your own life and so little of the lives of others. But we don't think as a nation that those shootings are rooted in what we worship. Yet what we worship is ourselves, people declaring there is no God. Our schools teach our kids that they are accidents who come from nothing and are headed to nothing. 
that we promote a culture of do whatever feels good, right, is what seems right, good in your own eyes. But we promote this self-worship then in our movies and in our music and in our social media and celebrate it among the famous. And then we are surprised when so many treat life like it doesn't matter. Maybe what we worship is the source of our defeat. Family is the bedrock of society, yet it's being defeated with divorce and or redefining marriage and or abuse and or kids out of wedlock helping perpetuate the poverty, and yet we don't think it's rooted in what we worship. Perhaps what we worship is what's defeating us. And so we keep drinking the shadow and live defeated. And we're all ready to go take on the Midianites. But we aren't going to have the power of God to do it. Because we don't understand what is first and foremost defeating us. God was saying to Gideon, the Midianites, they're just the symptom. The source of your problem is what you worship. What you fall in love with what you honor, what you bow to. And if Gideon did not tear down what he worshiped, he would never have defeated the Midianites. And somehow we're always trying to get to the Midianites and skip tearing down the very thing that's defeating us. Now listen, if Gideon had time to tell us the story, he'd take us into chapter 6, verses 24, 25, and 26. In those three verses, you see Gideon's gap. Gideon's what? Say it again. Gideon's what? Gideon's gap. We all have the gap. Let's be honest about it. In verse 24, Gideon, having experienced the living God talking to him, is amazing. He's like, oh, I got to make an altar to the living God. And he does. He makes an altar of sacrifice and honors God and bows to him. Then, then, watch this. Then, in verse 25, he goes home. And when he gets home, he's got altars to Baal among his family and his clan. Did you see that? He makes a proper altar to the real God, the living God. And then he goes home where he has altars to false gods. Do you see the gap? Do you see how, like, those two can't be together? It's kind of like on Sunday, he, he makes a proper altar to God, and on Monday and at work, he's got altars to Baal. You, you're getting it, right? And God says, listen, we're not going to get anywhere unless when you go home, you tear down the altars to Baal. And you know what his response is? I can't do that. I mean, he's terrified. He's terrified, and you know why? Because he lives in a PC world, politically correct. And in the politically correct world, you can't go tear down Baal. How judgmental. What are you doing, man? Don't you know? Listen, you can't go out into your world, Gideon. Gideon's probably telling God, listen, you don't get it down here right now. Let me explain it to you. You can't go out. I can't do this. I, I, I can't. You don't know how they're going to respond and turn on me. See, the gap for Gideon is he now has to go take a stand for what's right in God's eyes in a world that does only what seems right in their eyes. So he does it at night. <laughs> Don't want anybody, hey, I'll do it because God's making me, but I'm going to do it at night because I want nobody to see me. 
We, we all feel the weight of that gap. When I first experienced it, I was 16 years old. I've told this story before. I love this story. If you've never heard it, I'll have fun telling it. I was 16, and, and I had a desire to be an attorney. I kind of already chosen I'm going to be an attorney in life. That's what I want to do for a host of obvious reasons to some. Uh, and I had this compulsion that this, had this sense that's leading this prompt that, that I, I, God might want me to be a pastor. I have no way to explain how I knew that or why I knew it. It just kept going on in my, my mind and my thoughts and my spirit. And, and so I finally hit a point where I said, God, if, if, there, if you really do tell, call people to ministry like that and you, you want me to, you have to tell me in such a way that I'll know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Absolutely no. So on November 13th, 1977 at 10.55 p.m., God used Isaiah 61 to make it undeniably clear to me so I would know God has called me a pastor. I'm like, oh, wow, this is awesome. I like build an altar. I've experienced the living God and I signed it. And I, I mean, that has marked me for the whole of my life and, and uh, conquering. God's going to let me be a part of his kingdom and things that matter. And oh my goodness, what I get to do with you, God, and be a part of for the sake of people's lives and watch you rescue and transform lives. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. That was November. In January, I'm a junior in high school still and it's speech class. And the teacher says, hey, here's what we're going to do to launch the year in speech class. And I have no problem with being in front of people. This will be fun. So I want you to tell what you, what you want to do for your career someday. What are you going to do for your career? And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I have no problem with that. And then God says, yeah, this is a great chance for you to tell everybody you're going to be a pastor. I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do a speech about being an attorney. Well, I thought, I thought we already settled this. Oh, we did. But God, you don't tell people in high school you're going to be a pastor. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever had to educate God? I mean, he lives in heaven. So, some stuff he doesn't know. I'm like, God, you've never been a high schooler. Let me explain it to you. That would be stupid. But you, nobody in their right mind goes into high school in speech class, I'm going to be a pastor. Wouldn't that be awesome? And she's like, are you kidding me? God, I'll be humiliated, laughed out of school. I'll just, I'll, it'll be, my life will be over. I'm not doing that. I'm just, I, and, and if you don't know why Jesus was down here, have him explain. I mean, I'm not doing that. So now for my two to three weeks in prep, I'm just going, I'm like in the gap. I wrote two speeches one, I'm going to be an attorney. One, I'm going to be a pastor. I had them both side by I took them up with me. It's my turn to speak. I remember the moment. Oh, I, can, I can see the teacher right there, sitting in the back. And his glasses and what he looked like. I can just see him. And the people in class. And I just start out. What am I going to say? What, which one am I going to do? Um, for my career, um... I'm going to have a career someday. And when I do, oh, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be one of these. <laughs> I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a pastor, the teacher. I mean, you just see him. What have I done? The room, all the oxygen out of the room. I mean, nobody moves, nobody breathes. I can't breathe. I, I don't even know. I don't even know what I said. The speech. I don't even know what happened. It's got done. I sat down. Nobody. Nobody said anything. Teacher, okay, Susie is next. I mean, you just what do you do with that? 
And then everything I knew would happen, happened. I told you, God, hey, preacher boy. That's what he became, walking down. Hey, preacher boy, would a preacher boy do that? I got your preacher boy right over here. I mean, I just, oh. I mean, there's a gap. And you got to figure out what is denying God and defeating you that needs to be torn down. Yeah? Come on. I mean, I don't know what yours is. Maybe it's habits. Maybe there's a habit. Remember I read earlier, maybe it's control your spending, your temper, your attitude, your tongue, your pessimism, your laziness, your passivity, your fear, your worry, your anxiety, your greed, your envy, your porn addiction, your gambling, your time-wasting. You're overeating, you're yo-yo dieting, your insecurity, you're lying, you're people pleasing, your procrastination, your addiction to entertainment or gaming. Hey, listen, if you could get a hold of that, your life would be transformed. But there's stuff that has to be torn down. And if you are going to bow at the altar of pleasure, indulgence, and immediate gratification, the most important things in your life will never be conquered. Maybe it's your attitude. I was talking to Chris Huff, one of my friends, and he gave a couple of smart, tight thoughts, and here's one of them. Maybe we don't need a better job. Maybe we just need to do our job with a better attitude. Or marriage. Maybe we mean well in our marriage, but we just don't serve well. So we don't really need a new marriage. We just need to serve better in the marriage we have. Maybe you don't need more money. Because if you're not honoring God first, but you're a follower of Christ, you're not honoring him first with the $100 he's already given you, why would he give you 200 I mean, maybe you just need to start honoring God with what he's already given to you. See, some things need to be torn down. Then we can get to, by faith, some things need to be fought for. By faith, some things need to be what? Fought for. Sure they do. Sure they do. You know what God's saying to Gideon? Gideon, you are not going to conquer without fighting for it. You are not going to conquer without fighting for it. Gideon, listen, good job. You tore down the altar. You figured out how to honor me, bow to me, build the proper altar to me. Now, Gideon, I'm going to help you. I'm going to loan my power for you to take down the Midianites. It's going to be my power. But listen, that's not going to happen without you fighting for it. Gideon, you have got to get up out of this safe hiding. I just want to be safe. Hiding spot, God, go take it down and I'll celebrate. No, no. Get in, you're a mighty warrior. Get out of your little hiding spot. Pick up a sword for the Lord and go fight for it. Listen, there are things we all have to fight for, things that matter in life that you fight for them. And, and, and Gideon had to step up. In other words, we're all made to be mighty warriors. Maybe the reason we're having this conversation is right now God is speaking to you and you need to wake up to the fact that God called you to be a mighty warrior. In the kingdom of God, there are no spectators. It's all mighty warriors. And you can't be hiding in the back. Oh, I'm just a fan of Jesus. No, you're not. You do, you are, there's no fans. There's only followers. And if you're a follower, you're a mighty warrior. Pick up your sword and go after things that matter in the kingdom. We were created to live sent. That is on all of us. And God has this conversation for you to get out of your little self. I'm map on mission. You do too much of that and I'm going to go. I'm going to just go. <laughs> By the way, it says in chapter 8 verse 4, 
It says, after God did a mighty work, watch this, 135,000 Midianites, 300 Israelites, the Israelites do a cry of faith. God confuses the army in the middle of the night and the Midianites wipe each other out. Watch this, 120,000 Midianites kill each other. So the majority of the army is already taken out, but there's 15,000 that get away. So now Gideon and the 300 are chasing the 15,000. That's still a magnanimous accomplishment or, or, or battle rather to accomplish. And while he's chasing them, he can't catch up to them. So, so they're exhausted. Chapter eight, verse four, they're exhausted. They're in what? Couldn't hear you, they're what? Exhausted, it says, exhausted yet keeping up the pursuit. Exhausted yet keeping up the pursuit. Listen, they went through one town and they needed food and, and, and bread and water. And they said to the townspeople, would you feed uh, my army of, five, of 300? And they said, no. And then they went to the next town. They're hungry. They're exhausted. They, we need strength. I imagine they're praying as they're getting to the next town. Well, the last one didn't help us. Dear God, make sure the next one does. And the next one doesn't either. They're exhausted. And you know what many of us think? Listen, we think when we're exhausted, God's not in it. Well, if marriage is this hard, God's not in it. Well, if church is this hard, God's not in it. Well, building a family is this hard, God can't possibly, I don't even know what that voice is, but I'm just doing it. <laughs> God can't possibly be in it. My family says, why do you, why do you go to country twang? Why, <laughs> why, do you, why do you, we're not taping this service, so I don't have to worry about it. So I just do what I want. <laughs> He says, why do you go into hick when you start talking like that? Do you really think God's hick? Or do you think? Nah, probably not. You know what some of us decide? If God doesn't make it easy, we're not going to fight for it. And listen, you're not going to conquer without fighting. Just get it, get it in your head and your heart. Things worth fighting for require a fight. The kingdom of God is worth fighting for. We are here to reach people who are far from God and near us. I love the story of one 12 stoner. Sometime back, told the story to one of our campus pastors and said, you know, I'm not particularly eloquent. I don't know how to reach people. I care about my neighbor. I'm friends with several of them. And I just, I, you know what? I don't know how to help. So I know my gifts are more blessing and, and, and serving. So here's what I decided to do. And this is what he did. He said, I decided to cut my neighbor's lawn. I cut my neighbor's lawn. And, and afterwards, the, the, the guy came home and he's like, dude, what, ha- what happened to you? I cut your lawn. Why'd you do that? He said, listen, listen. You matter to me. You matter to God. I'd like you to come to church sometime. I just opened up some space for you too. Oh, okay. Thanks a lot. <laughs> then 12 Storm did it the next weekend. And the next weekend, the next weekend. Now he's annoying the guy in, in a friendly kind of tongue-in-cheek way. After weeks of this thing, I finally said, dude, I haven't even used, started my lawnmower all summer. What, how do we stop this? He said, well, you're married to me, you're married to God. Come to church with me. I will come. If you'll stop doing this, I'll just come. And he did. Isn't that awesome? I'm like, good for you. Well done. Well done. And by the way, uh, Jason Berry, one, one of our pastors here, uh, told that story in the recent Live sent pioneer training that's going on. And over the next year, there's going to be heavy training. We're all in the next 12 months. I'm telling you, by 12 months from now, you're going to say, oh, I, I get it. He shared that story. And since then, the 12 stoner sent a note in. By the way, I just cut my neighbor's lawn for the first time. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, I'm just like, good for you. Well done, man. That is so cool. So cool. But your marriage... Maybe you're here. Because the truth is, 
Your marriage isn't going to conquer unless you fight for it. And some of you aren't fighting for your marriage. You're just exhausted. And God says, keep up the pursuit. Get back to the things that matter. Maybe as a man, you have to fight for being a spiritual leader. This isn't going to just happen. You don't leave that for somebody else. Pick up your sword and man up. You're supposed to be a spiritual leader. Do it by faith. Maybe, ladies, as we talked last weekend, prayer warrior. And you're not going to become a prayer warrior unless you fight for it. Maybe you're single. You're never going to become a spiritual warrior unless you fight for it. Maybe what you need to fight for is your health. Maybe you need to fight for your financial budget. Hey, maybe you need to fight through the summer and finally say, you know what, this summer I'm not going to drift spiritually. Every summer I drift spiritually. I let vacation take me out and I spiritually disconnect. Hey, maybe this summer you say, you know what, I'm going to be on. I mean, we're going to have a fun summer. It's going to probably be the funnest summer we've ever had because I know it's coming and you don't. And then when you experience it afterwards, you say, oh, my gosh, that was the best summer we've ever had. And God's going to do cool things. Yes, he is. But it's going to be fun. Cool stuff, God stuff, faith, but fun. And you just need to say, you know, all nine, all nine weeks of the summer, I'm going to be in. I'm going to, every weekend, I'm going to connect with my church family and worship. You're like, well, I can't do that. I'm going to be on vacation. No, that's not. here's what I do. Same thing. If I'm in town, I worship with my church. Because all centered on God, one every seven, I connect with God, and I want to stay spiritually engaged. And if I'm out of town, it's online. You say, I can be fully engaged all nine weeks. I, can ne- I never have to be disengaged. Technology has allowed me to be fully engaged, be fully engaged all nine weeks, all summer. Maybe that's it. But listen, you never get anywhere. You never conquer anything, even with the power of God, unless you fight for it. I don't know where you're exhausted. But I want you to know you're not alone. How many people have ever felt or do feel, ever or do feel exhausted in some area of their life, whether it's parenting, which gets most hands up, <laughs> marriage, family, career, finance, of course, it's all over the place. Keep up the pursuit. See, God will do in and through you what he did in and through Gideon. But there are things you need to tear down by faith and things you need to fight for by faith because faith is trusting God and your actions. So what are you going to do with this teaching? Before I turn the service to the campus pastors, I put some next steps for you. It's right there. Look at the bottom of your teaching notes. First of all, talk with God. Have the courage to ask God what needs to be torn down and then what needs to be fought for. Gideon talked with God. God will reveal some of these things to you. Second, tell some friends. Tell some who? Friends, you got, listen, Gideon did not tear down the altar on his own, and he did not win the battle and fight on his own. Don't do this on your own. You need the encouragement and the accountability that comes with others. Something happens when you tell a friend, listen, God's telling me this needs to be torn down in my life. Tell somebody about it. It encourages you, and it starts to build accountability, and it kind of breaks it when you own it. And here's what I need to fight for. And then finally, third, take specific steps. The courage to act in faith. And as you do, as you live like Gideon, God helps you conquer like Gideon. So bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father, one of your great kindnesses to us is that you give us the stories of the people ahead of us, like Gideon, to instruct us, to inspire us, to guide us, to call us up, to remind us that you are a 
conquering God, and we can be a conquering people if by faith. So, Lord, I want to pray for all those who would hear this prayer and receive it. Right now, would you have the courage to begin to ask God, right now, where you're seated, God, what needs to be torn down? Just, just right where you're seated. God, what needs to be torn down? And maybe right now he'll begin to reveal. Maybe you begin to go through the list. Maybe you begin to narrow it down. Maybe he's already been talking to you in the teaching. Maybe over this next 24 hours, you'll walk out of Monday with a sense of God saying this needs to be torn down. Maybe, maybe it's what, what needs to be fought for. Gracious God, could you, could you help me where I'm weary, where I'm tired, where I'm exhausted? Could you remind me things worth fighting for? Maybe right now there's somebody that's got to say, I should be fighting for my marriage. Maybe there's some daughter or son saying, I need to fight for family. I can't just leave it on my parent. I have a role in this. Maybe it's a parent saying, I need to fight for family in this relationship. Maybe, God, it's us saying, I, I, I need to be the spiritual leader. I was called to be some men in this place. Maybe some mom saying, I need to be a prayer warrior, some single person. Dear God, I was designed to be a spiritual warrior. And I've been sitting back as a spectator. Maybe this summer, for the first time, we don't disconnect. God, would you place in us, we can't solve everything at one time, but maybe there's one thing we need to conquer. And would you pour your spirit out on us? God, I would pray right now for a move of your spirit among us, a pouring out of your spirit. I pray for those who are most exhausted, most weary, that you would pour your spirit out and you'd give us the strength you gave Gideon. And in the end, weeks down the road, we'd all be celebrating. Here is where God helped me conquer. God, may we have rising stories of conquering again and again the things that once defeated us, and in that we'll give you the glory. Make it so in Jesus' name, when everyone agreed, saying, amen.